you pretty much like walked from the set of Straight Outta Compton to this to the set of Love and Mercy, stayed in character the entire time, and just delivered different lines. <laughs> I wonder which director actually directed him, because I'm sure the other one was just like, do what he told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Show. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Talking During the Movie, the show where two jackoffs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm Mike. And I'm James. And this is episode number 28, which we have titled, Mike and James, The Way of the Samurai, for absolutely no reason. No, 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 we're not even reviewing The Assassin this episode. No, um, ours, ours uh, for The Assassin was better also. That's true, yeah. We we had a, a much more clever title. Um, uh, Way, Way of the Samurai sounds like an exciting movie. Um, and uh, Men Who Stare at Goats sounds m- actually more like the sa- more like the assassin than the actual movie Men Who Stare at Goats. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was not an exciting movie at all. Will this be an exciting episode, though? We're, we're giving our, our audience some big expectations. Well, it'll be a quick episode because it's eleven thirty at night, and I got yeah. I got work in the morning. Dude, I got work in the morning too. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah well, lots of this stuff happened. Mo- most of what we're going to talk about happened earlier today, and that was the Golden Globe nominations. Um, <laughs> and I knew that was going to happen, but I f- I just I forgot that we were going to record on the same day it was going to happen. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what are my thoughts? Uh, shit. Uh, Golden. Hollywood Foreign Press Association sucks. Uh, what? Um, this has no determining factor whatsoever on the future Academy Awards. Um, uh, Ricky Gervais is going to host again for whatever reason. Oh yeah, they, they somehow realized realized they somehow thought that would be a good idea. Um, <laughs> they're like, no, they're like, are they masochistic? Do they just like being lambasted by their own host for hours actually, on end, year after year? I actually really enjoy it. Um, because Ricky Gervais, it's because Ricky Gervais got got ratings. It's yeah, like, yeah, like, he does. Yeah. He's he's one of the last hosts who like mattered a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like it, you know, I don't, I don't think it really matters that they're they are masochistic because it doesn't really matter if he's ripping them a new asshole. They uh, they're shoving that new asshole full of money. <laughs> they're wiping that new asshole with hundreds, baby. With, with hundreds. hundreds. Yeah, not twenties. No. Hundies, man, Benjis. Benjis. Yeah. As as they say it, I don't know who they are. Checks. Um, what do you call? Jacks. There's no there's no there's no short term for for twenties, is there? Uh, well, there was that line in the mask where he's like Franklin, Grant, and Jackson. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's okay. that's, that's what a I remember good, that. Yeah, uh, that was a good Jim Carrey. Oh man, I uh I was I was editing at work. And I came across an old uh, clip from In Living Color, and it's so old that Jim Carrey's name is actually credited as James Carrey. Oh, God. Wow, I forgot that his first few credits were James Carrey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was that old. It was amazing. I felt like I was like a little piece of history. Man, I feel like someday people are going to think it's weird that that like Carrie Fukunaga wasn't Carrie Joji Fukunaga, or that like Angelina Jolie Pitt is was not just... Angelina Jolie, or scratch that and reverse it, but still. I, I was I was gonna say, are you sure it's gonna last that long? <laughs> oh, come on! They, I think people have gotten over the 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 typical Hollywood marriage with with Angelina and Brad Pitt. They, like they they've been there, 
they're, it's happening. Okay. Dude, they, right. they don't actually have problems. They write shitty movies about the problems that don't exist. Uh, yeah, yeah. I heard it's like, I don't. I, what have I heard about by the sea? Not a whole. But... <laughs> no, that, that's I. I that, that's pretty much all I've heard. I, I did. I did hear a review of it, but uh, nothing good to say. Like it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly satisfactory pampered white woman's uh, perception of what a tumultuous marriage might look like. Yeah, and if that's appealing to you, then woo! Hey! <laughs> yeah. Not not that I've seen it, you know. I I, I still kind of wanna. No, sure. We're 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 parroting other things we've heard, so you know, let's take it for what that's worth. But uh, hey, you're parroting. Uh, you're parroting. I'm aping. Oh, it's is that? Difference. Yeah. Is that to reflect the fact that, like, I'm the Gene Siskel to your Roger Ebert, or that you could eat me? I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> Touche. That was pretty much the most. That was pretty much the most suspenseful dynamic on that show. It was like you never really knew when Gene Siskel disagree with Roger Ebert whether Roger was just gonna unhinge his jaw, <laughs> swallow him whole. Uh, man, we make better jokes at eleven thirty. I think we should make this a, a thing. Or maybe we just think our shitty jokes are funnier. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. Let's let's get on into this. Golden Globe nominations happened, and I think the big headline for me—you could bring your own one, uh, bring your own—is that Mad Max is officially a contender. Uh, and even on our last episode, we talked about how, like, oh, good job, Mad Max, you're named the best film by the National Board Review. And then uh, George Miller and the team behind Mad Max was like, "Well, fuck you guys. Here's a Golden Globe nomination. What do you got to say to that?" And I say, "Damn." Yeah. Damn. Okay, um, you're you're I- here to stay. I'm not. I'm not surprised at that, really. I think the. I, I think the Golden Globes have always been a bit more open-minded than the Academy Awards. They've always been more accepting of genre films. Uh, didn't, well, they're also. I, I, it's it's fair to say that they're more inclusive because there's you know there's the there's the ten films in two different categories. You know, you got drama and then you got comedy or musical. Which comedy or musical for some reason included The Martian. Right. Um, uh, so actually, uh, you're getting ahead of me because for that exact reason, I was going to say my big surprise is that Mad Max Fury. Road wasn't actually considered in the musical uh, comp category because uh, uh, Nicholas Holt's character has that zinger where he calls his two fingers uh, Terry and Barry. That was that was pretty funny, yeah. So that, it was that pretty. A, it was pretty. Joke. It was pretty funny. So I'm surprised that didn't qualify it because apparently uh, you can tell a couple jokes in a an otherwise very serious heavy movie uh and uh earn yourself a spot in the comedy section uh as the martian did unless there is a musical sequence that i do not remember from that film <laughs> yeah i'm well i mean i Matt, he did he did sing along with uh with the what was it the what was that genre funk funk no. oh uh all of all of uh jessica chastain's uh like 60s uh funk uh, no um disco. it wasn't that disco thank disco. you yeah yeah disco, disco. Yeah, Oliver Disco. I mean, he did sing along with it sometimes, so that's he's singing a song. Mm-hmm. Good point. The, I think what really happened there. I think what really happened there is someone, or maybe the whole, like everyone, was just like, okay, we we got to five for drama. We do not have another spot. We can't get rid of any of these. But I really, really want to nominate The Martian. And so, <laughs> 
And so they like looked through the movie and 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 tried to see if they could fill up their joke quota, and they just barely managed to do it. And so they are now somehow passing it off as a comedy. Well, they 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 already put up Spy and Trainwreck. What I think happened is like they're like, oh shit, oh my god, okay. So it's either we have to find something to nominate, so we don't have to nominate the intern, like everybody apparently fucking wants. <laughs> Like, what can we have? What can we put in here? The Martian. That's funny. I think the title is funny because, you know, he's not actually from Mars. So, yeah, let's put that in there. That's a joke. Uh... Yeah. (laughs) What? There's no aliens here. (laughs) Suck my balls. Um... Everyone, there is some very fringe, so I don't say everyone, but there are some very fringe audiences and articles that just are in love with The Intern and think it's a tragedy that Robert De Niro is not getting consideration for uh, for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, and I'm like, what world Literally? do you live on? That movie was ass. Oh, did you see it? Yes, I saw it. Okay, because literally, uh, until you, every single person I know who's seen it has absolutely loved it. Like, not what? even just like, like, like they've what? loved it. How? <laughs> Oh God, no! That movie was all over the place and just good God awful. And 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 Robert De Niro wasn't that good. I don't. I Even think it, he realized what the this material he was dealing with and just sort of checked out. Even or a man I, it in at least. There's even a man I know who never smiles, who loved that movie. <laughs> I, I want to meet this man who never smiles. Hang on, let's time out here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me you don't have feelings? Uh, yeah, it, um, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I kind of want to. I, I've never, I, I wasn't expecting this movie to, to generate such divisive, uh, responses from people. I mean, there's another, like, really divisive movie that came out this year. What am I thinking of? Uh, huh. I'll probably get it. Um, it's probably Mad Max Fury Road. No. <laughs> yeah, people are really split on that movie, you know, like, what is it going to mm-hmm. be? Uh, oh no! It was American Ultra. Uh, I don't think that's split, James. I think everyone hated it. No, no, that is that is a very split movie. There's there's either like absolute adulation for that movie or hatred. Um, so um, hold on. Um, so the way I see it is, <laughs> if I can type Ultra correctly. Oh, come on. Um, okay. Well, I guess so. Uh, out of, yeah, I guess 63 liked it, 79 didn't. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty split. Yeah. Um, I don't know. All right. All right. Sorry. That was a waste of time. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It was, <laughs> we don't have, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. It, it absolutely was. <laughs> absolutely. Mike, Fuck. uh, I would appreciate if you didn't just take take our time and shit on it and then throw mm-hmm. your shit out the window, mm-hmm. you know, because then mm-hmm. you take the time with your shit. Oh. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, it, it's okay. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Uh, all right. Well, get back in the game. Get back in the game. Um, uh, all right. Tag me in. No, I'll tag you in. <laughs> okay. Um... So what what else was surprising about uh, the about Golden the... Globe nominees? Yeah, uh, I think Trumbo got its first serious like p- 
push for into into Oscar season. Yeah. Um, with with Brian Cranston getting the nomination there. Um, and that because that's something that it looked like to me that that film was about to fizzle out in terms of like awards love. And I I saw very early uh, reception of it was mixed at best. Mm-hmm. So. Um, which is kind of a weird thing to say because mixed means that it's either good or bad. And if I said at best, that makes it seem like it's decidedly middle of the road. Regardless, um, yeah, it was, early reception was mixed, so it seemed like it wasn't going to get any any awards love. And then here come the Golden Globes. It's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Brian Cranston, you may have known me from the Emmy Awards for the last five years. <laughs> My favorite is a fa- – there's a Family Guy joke uh, where uh, – I'm sorry to reference Family Guy, but it's pretty damn accurate. It's uh, Stewie's watching TV, and the TV just goes, we now return to Brian Cranston sneezing, and it cuts to the TV, and it's just like live-action Brian Cranston. He just goes, <coughs> and then like a hand comes from off screen and hands him an Emmy. He's just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, no, fair enough, fair enough. I'm not, I won't, I won't lambast you for for referencing a family guy joke if it's accurate and, and uh, it's pretty timely, accurate so it's also but but you know what also you know what he deserved it he he took that sneeze and and i'm i don't know this is his first like prestige role after after breaking bad so mm-hmm. it's and i'm i'm he did godzilla he did a perfectly respectable job at godzilla but no one's for, for 20 for minutes before they for, for mistakenly minutes. killed him off could they just not afford him was that what happened they were like I'm, uh <laughs> we could get you for about 20 minutes of screen time how much is that oh god holy shit this movie was only it was supposed to be a hundred million dollar budget now it's like 200 yeah they, uh, they really <laughs> milked every single bit of him that they could out of out of those out of those 20 minutes um he hey man talent comes with the price uh, oh yeah. So, no, it does. so <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of hoping for for really big things. And Trumbo, I, I still want to see it. It's not one of the top films I need to catch up with right now, uh, as far as I can tell. But uh, I'm I'm hoping that he's got a very very almost you know a, a, a Day Lewis esque career ahead of him in terms of yeah. uh, you know his his cinema work. I, you know he's 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 already the greatest actor in the history of TV forever and always. Um, no, I was told. Correct me if I'm wrong. I was told that there were animated films this year that were foreign and um, that weren't named Anomalisa, Good Dinosaur, Inside Out, Peanuts movie, or Shaun the Sheep. That was my that was my thing. But every single top list or award say that's come out is thinking like, well, these are the only ones. I mean, it's, what else is there? Anomalisa, Good Dinosaur, Inside Out, Peanuts movie, and Shaun the Sheep. I, you really sound like you're saying penis movie, by the way. I, you know, I listened to I listened to our uh, other one of our other podcasts when I said we were gonna. I don't know if I said we we're gonna review the Peanuts movie, but and now I'm enunciating it more. Nice, yeah, I was like, I, that's very good enunciation. I know, and when I'm when I listened to it, I was like, I, I just said penis penis movie. That's what I said. Yeah, you did. Uh, peanuts, peanuts like the like the legume. Yep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's good. They are legumes. Um, I. Uh, in all seriousness, there were there were foreign... yeah, there were there were other foreign foreign animated films. Okay, yeah, because I thought there were. Um, what were they? Because I actually can't think of it. Oh, Boy and the Beast. That was uh Oh, that that's one that I hear is is oh, making man. like top lists in general, not top animated film lists, like general top lists. 
Oh, that's really interesting, especially because when I search Boy and the Beast, the first thing that pops up are, like, 12 pictures of Beast Boy from Teen Titans. <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> no, I found it, though, uh, by... Uh, it's actually the same director who made... Oh, my God, he made uh, Wolf Children, who, which was actually, I think, one of the... I, I've actually been considering that for a forgotten favorite. Uh it's about a mother raising two adopted kids who are part wolf. Uh, so very, oh. v- very, you know, very anime, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's a, a beautiful movie. I kind of, I would love to talk about that. Uh, he also directed the two Digimon movies that got spliced together into the American film. That's weird. No, it's just interesting too. Cause last year, like the Academy for forego to the typical choices, like they, they notably snubbed the Lego movie and they nominated, Song Song of the Sea is that it? Which I hear is like a really freaking good movie. So Song Song of the Sea is one of my favorite. It's it's my new uh, choice for best foreign film or best animated film of last year. Of last year, yeah, and that's that's totally fine. I haven't seen it and I need to. So I, I'm not saying, but it just it seems like they were paying attention to those films last year. It wasn't even the only foreign foreign animated film. But then this year, so far, they're nowhere to be found. That's the thing about the Academy is I, I can never really know when they're being too insular and when they're like ignoring mainstream. Like like they're either they're either too uh, neglectful of the mainstream or they're not neglectful enough and they're like they're ignoring some of the more esoteric films coming out. So I I, I this is why I, part of me feels like I can never quite get a handle on them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Who knows what the Academy's going to do? It's just the the Golden Globes or Golden Globe nominations are furthering that trend of only and honestly, two of the two of these movies I know to be mediocre. Well, The Good Dinosaur is definitely worse. I actually, I actually looked fondly I, upon the Peanuts movie. So uh, I, I, I told you I do not consider The Good Dinosaur to be mediocre. I consider it to be an abject failure. Mm-hmm. I, I consider it to be like an like an absolute like disgraceful lack of effort yeah i'm i'm coming around the more i think about it I, I i had a good time watching it but again you have to you have to consider the movie not just not just see it so i um, I, I don't i just don't feel as lethargic like, i just don't feel the thing is I, I came out of it and you've commented on this but i came out of it charged i'm not lethargic about it i'm not indifferent i'm quite upset um yeah my big surprise this year is my biggest one out of anything I've seen so far. Our boy Mark Ruffalo, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. he 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 didn't get a nomination. Oh, he suspected yeah. for Spotlight. However, uh-huh. I do see his name here under Best Actor for a musical or comedy for a movie that I have literally never heard of. I, I have heard of this movie. It made a brief appearance at the Pickford, and I missed out on it. Um, and maybe that was a whiff. I'm, I've been looking at a lot of these whiffs. I don't think Danny Collins was a whiff, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> seeing seeing uh, his Al Pacino's name next to that, uh, but yeah, I I don't Infinite, know about that one. Infinitely Infinite polar bear. It's about a it's about a bipolar father who is like, I think he's divorced. So, but he still sees his kids. Um, that's what I get gathered from seeing the trailer and everything like that. And I thought it was going to be like, it looked to me like big Oscar bait and I thought it was going to have more, more play. And this is the first I've seen of it. So I, I'd completely forgotten about it until this. So 
it's kind of weird that Oscar bait kind of reverberates. You can hear the ghostly whispers of it every once in a while. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily like there's a lot of failed stuff that just gets shoved out. I never really noticed that before, but it's true. There's a lot of it. Um, and I think in it, like, yeah, some of it like, catches, but yeah, I feel like particularly this year, like I, I, we've been over this before. This is not the year. Uh, this is not a great year for prestige movies. Um, I no. feel like I feel like a lot of them are being shoved out, and honestly, I'm I'm if if my dream comes true, the Danish Girl will be the ultimate failure. It's it's not a good year for it's not a good year for pretenders. Uh, that's what I'll say. It's just that I think there's so many movies that are decidedly like a, a well above average. Not necessarily amazing. Not necessarily to the like Twelve Years a Slave or or Boyhood levels that we've had the past two years, but you know, in, in that in that upper echelon, and there's two, there's just so many. In fact, that's actually affecting the box office. People are saying like these movies have like cannibalized each other in in a way that they they're not catching they're not they weren't catching box office. Like people are saying that's what happened to Steve Jobs and and these other movies that aren't aren't the big blockbusters. They just they're all releasing at the same time, and a lot of them are actually pretty good. And because of that, these movies that aren't pretty good, namely Ricky and the Flash, uh, Free Held, that could normally catch Oscar attention because of the latter, you got Meryl Streep. What do you else do you need? Apparently. And, oh, and also um, Diablo Cody. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah, Diablo Cody, who famously wrote uh, Juno, and, and then in, in Free Held, you have you have a uh, social commentary, of course, um, gay rights, mm-hmm. popular issues in the zeitgeist. Just take a topical. Just, just, just take a topical social issue and make a preachy movie about it, and that's how you get the Academy's attention. And, uh, hey, actually, like, let's 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 do a biopic too. Oh let's my god! Real good. Oh my god! That's the thing. It's it's when you when you when you break it down so it's formulaic, and there's no yeah. sincerity involved in it at all. I I lose any respect for your mission. And it's not that I don't agree with it socially, and that that's the distinction that I've continually assert. Because I feel like there's a like a blurry line. People think, oh, if you don't like this film, then you are you know endorsing the opposite social worldview, and that's just not true. I'm critiquing it as a piece of cinema. No, and that's a really lazy argument too. <laughs> it really is. Um, and again, I feel like I'm being defensive to nobody, but like <laughs> that's that's you know, I, it's like it's a very it should be a very obvious distinction, and it's just always kind of concerning when you like. It, it's like I feel like the Oscars have fallen for some of this a lot before. Um, mm-hmm. I think the worst case was I think the worst case in recent memory was um, uh, the Blind Side, <laughs> the White Guilt, yeah, the White Guilt uh, movie. That was the most recent like White Guilt nomination. Not, not the not the only one in the Academy's history. Yeah, Crash yeah. is probably the most infamous. But like the, mm-hmm. the thing is, I feel like I feel like the Blind and Driving Miss Daisy we've talked about before. We've talked about that. I feel like the Blind Side was the most undisguised. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, like they went for it. They went for it, and there was like you know bare minimum, uh, you know bare minimum there to obscure the fact that it is just uh, manipulative, preachy crap. Um, mm-hmm. For white, what was that one that for exclusively recently... white people? You can like, I, I that movie that movie is made exclusively for white people. <laughs> what, what was that one that Reese Witherspoon was in last year? Not Wild, the one... Because Wild was the one where she, like, went on a hike, right? Basically. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was... She white was Girl the... Learns That People in Africa Have It Hard. Really? Yeah. There, yeah, she. Yeah, she was in a movie like that, and that was, that was the premise of it. Like, she... 
she realizes that people oh, have to have a right. difficult time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. As a white person, I can really relate to this because it, it makes me feel more educated and thus more aware and thus better than people who aren't aware oh, about yeah, this. Oh, yeah, the good lie. The good lie. Yeah, that was... <laughs> what a fucking title, but <laughs> the good lie. <laughs> Yeah. No, I and, and inconvenient just, racism. Not that I'm worried Reese Witherspoon will be personally offended by talking to her in the movie. I respect the crap out of her. Like she's oh, done a lot like, of good no. work. Oh, she's, and she's producing also, really good way, stuff that's largely female centric. She's doing great but, work. By the way, should we should we neglect that she also that year came out with one of my favorite roles she's ever been in, and maybe the best role in the film in Inherent Vice. Oh yeah, she was in Inher- a really good role in Inherent Vice. Oh, fantastic. Um, Yes. Well, and and don't forget too, she was also one of the major producers behind Gone Girl, which is yep. fucking awesome. So yeah, um, and and honestly, I, I I love the crap out of a lot of her previous roles. Uh, Election is still my favorite. Uh, no, she's been doing a lot to further women's presence in Hollywood, which is really fucking impressive. Like honestly, the more I feel embarrassed, and you know what? Even uh, we even talked about her earlier this year because Eliza made a very, very good case about Legally Blonde actually being a very positive uh, example of feminism and a, and a few in cinema. Yeah, and so and I had never thought about it that way, and I I just have slowly started realizing I have never given Reese Witherspoon enough credit. No, yeah, she she does largely good work. Uh, it's just for what I what I know about the good lie, it doesn't seem like that's one of them. But what do I know? I haven't seen it. Hey, that's just what I've heard. Hey, so. I mean, at least she didn't go on Twitter and say, you know, we shot a really great film a year ago, and you'll probably never see it. You'll probably never see it. You know, she would have. Damn, she, producers she, got it. She, she did it. She did it to take the Oscar. She probably did this on the on the chance that it would get her an Oscar. Um. And she would have accepted it, but she also didn't disown it when it didn't. So, you know what? Respect. Yeah, yeah there you go. So, I that's, that's my digression to not anger Reese Witherspoon herself, who is an avid listener, I'm sure, and all her, all her fans, who, again, I'm sure Dude, are we, avid listeners. We would, we would turn to mush if we ever met her. Oh, God, are you kidding me? I you definitely... <laughs> I wouldn't we're even know tra- what to say. I, we're not. I would probably get all lispy. I'd probably get all lispy like I do when I'm tired and I am right now. <laughs> oh, oh my god, three spoons. Three spoons. <laughs> oh god. What are we doing? Uh, uh, right now we're rambling too often, but uh, um, the other thing that's been happening is people are keeping track of top ten lists, and mm. we, Mike and I, eat that shit up like for, all of for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We eat top lists. It's it's not a very nutritious diet because it's paper mostly. Um, sometimes digital files, uh, but ugh, tastes all electrony. But mm. yeah, we 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 already gushed last time about sight and sounds poll. Gushed is the wrong word, probably, but we talked about it ad nauseum. It yep. because that's the well that that's the one man. You know that's that's if you're gonna find one one authoritative list, that's that's gonna be it. Um, but there's two other ones that we kind of like keeping track of, um, and they're really good uh, to kind of tell what you know. How much this year was really worth seeing? How much more we need to catch up with before we're ready to take a look back at the year? Um, and also, what just what people are determining really mattered? Um, and uh, they're both kind of list compendiums. They like take into account all the different lists, the top ten lists that are being published, um, aggregating, you know, where like which films are ranking and uh, determining, you know, which films are the most represented on these lists. Um, 
and uh, one of these lists lives on Metacritic. Uh, they they come with it every year. The best of 2015, of which now Carol is the uh, n- in the number one spot comfortably. Um, yeah, and Metacritic but- ranks these by they look at all the top lists published by major major publications. Uh, right now they have like New York Times, Washington Post, Arizona Republic, etc. Um, and for for every first place, the a film would get three points. For every second place, the film gets two points and then for being ranked third through ten or being included on unranked risk list for whatever that's worth they get one point so and then they add up the total and right now carol spotlight and mad max are top three and that's mad max for your road of course of and course. it's a very similar to what they're doing with the film awards scorecard you know for every award that's coming out on metacritic three points for a winner second points for a runner-up and then one point for being nominated but not winning Yep. Um, and the other list is uh, uh, Critics Top 10, which is actually a WordPress-generated site. Um, but they actually are more encompassing, from what I can tell. They take more lists in. Um, they That's also... just like Metacritic in general is these kind of like exclusive bastards. <laughs> very selective. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's why you get lucky if a movie gets like 45 reviews on Metacritic. Um they're they're more selective and they're more uh, quantitative. Like they they do more with their numbers. Um, this one it just kind of does a straight uh, correlation uh, of you know how many lists a film is on. They don't really take into account ranking. They'll use it as a tiebreaker if they have to, but uh, you know generally not. Um, uh, Carol incidentally also is topping this list now, but uh, the most represented in the top spot of the year is Mad Max Fury Road, which is ranked number two on the list. Uh, this is at CriticsTop10.com, by the way. I'm not sure I mentioned. That. Yeah, just check that, and that's ten with uh, the numerical ten, not the not the word itself. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, so Carol is on 19 top lists and has five top spots. Mad Max Fury Road, on the other hand, is on 18 top lists but has six top spots. So it's which one is more is better. Than the other on Metacritic, that would be that would be Mad Max Fury Road on top, but on here they just they go by number of lists first, and then the top spots is just sort of a footnote. It appears mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Um, regardless, we we were both really excited because we've seen we've only not seen three of the top eighteen movies on Critics Top Ten, so yeah, um, we feel like we're really well read on the year thus far. It's a good feeling, although there's still so many movies that I can't believe I haven't seen, particularly one that seems very low right now that I suspect may climb him uh, as the year. Uh, comes closer to an end in this movie's in wider release, which is Son of Saul, um, which oh, I've yeah. heard unbelievably I, I, good things about. And yeah, it's kind of weird that it's actually this low. I, I've I've heard uh, I've heard this is really a film to reckon with. Like this is well, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the Metacritic's awards scorecard, uh, it has five wins right now, um, which is more than the next five combined. <laughs> well, the next. The, uh, more than any of the others on the list combined right now. Yep. Like The Look of Silence has won once for the awards that Metacritic counts, and then a movie called Timbuk2, which didn't that come out last year, technically? Yeah, technically. Yeah, won yeah. uh, one for this year. So, uh, yeah, you never know with these lists. Like, we talked about them in the pre-show a bit. The, the years in which movies come out kind of get convoluted, but because yep. when you go across borders, but... Uh, um, yeah, no, five wins and like nothing, basically nothing else is winning in the foreign feature category besides Son of Saul, although many yep. is getting nominated. So, um, yeah, maybe we won't have to apologize too hard after the assassin loses to Son of Saul and then no one ever talks about it again. <laughs> we'll be off the hook. We'll feel like an asshole in the next Sight and Sound, uh, greatest films of all time, uh, poll that they do every 10 years. Uh, next I'll, one's I feel like... 22, 22, 2022 will be the next one. 
Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and we'll feel like dipshits when the assassin makes the top 100. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all time. Oh boy. Of all time. No, I, I'll just feel like I'll just feel like a real real boob if this if the assassin wins best foreign film. <laughs> be like, I'm well, just, <laughs> it 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 might. No, it really might. It's you know the the sight and sound poll is, it, I mean it, it it's if anything it brings the film to prominence especially when it names it number fucking one so um yep but then again uh you know i think the last um non-english f- well no i guess look of silence isn't technically a, an english-speaking film but uh it uh that was the last one to uh, or sorry the act of killing uh was the last in 2013 to top the sight and sound list and I think infamously it did not even really make any impact at all at the Academy Awards. I think that no. it was 20 feet to stardom, I think, one best documentary. Like, I, I can never fucking tell when a film is going to stick with them and when it's not. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I have, I have nothing, no this insight to so, add. This is why I'm so bad at predicting the Academy Awards. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I don't even know. I don't even want to like predict. I just want to. I'll, I'll give my top list. Maybe that's what I think is gonna win. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, when's the last time anyone talked about Twenty Feet from Stardom? Uh, I think five seconds ago when you brought it up. But oh gosh, beyond shut that, up. shut up. No, no, I mean before that, probably years. Mm-hmm. Probably not since it won. Honestly, I don't. The act of killing is still haunting me, and I still hear people bringing it up. And the it also just got its companion uh, film coming out this year, The Look of Silence, which I suspect mm-hmm. will probably share a similar fate with the first film in the series. Yeah, yeah. Series is maybe a wrong thing to call it. I don't know that. I don't know <laughs> be another one, but yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's like a spiritual successor. The well, it's tackling the same, which is weird to say about a documentary film, but it, still, it, it's tackling the same historical event from a different perspective. Um, so it's very much a companion piece. Mm, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, uh, oh God, I don't know. I, it's, I, I hope that it can get some love this year. I hope that maybe we can, you know, uh, that maybe the Academy will give me reason to doubt that it's, you know, it's, it's that vapid, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we'll we'll have our we'll have our um our gripes with the academy going forward. I'm sure. Um, do you want to just get into our get into our meat of the episode? Sure, because there's really no transition to make between award season and what we're Krampus. Oh, award Krampus. season is a lot like holiday season. What's one of your favorite holidays, Mike? Oh, I really like Christmas. Oh, what if uh instead of Santa we got Krampus, that German myth uh, guy, uh-huh. who is a goat. Yeah, this is this is a. This is a February movie that came out three months early. Ooh, man! It seems like you are you are very harsh on this movie, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not in that. Um, regardless, Krampus is about um, that that German or I don't know it's if it's German. necessarily it's from German. German. No, it's but, German. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I have a German. I have a German roommate. Yeah, it's German we, folklore. We, uh, we talk about, about how horrifying like the, German fairy tales are all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the anti Santa. Yeah, uh, just, uh, it's basically just, just anything this demon that, goat who comes by doling out murders, punishment instead of presents. Yeah, anything that murders or tortures children. That, that's Ger- that's Germany, pretty much. I mean, that, that's that, that's their folklore that they tell their kids before they go to bed so they behave themselves. 
it's, huh. it's 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 pretty. It's probably more effective than Santa Claus. I'll tell you that for it sure. Probably is those those kids definitely shut up. Yeah. Huh. I don't. But this film is uh, directed by a man called called man named uh, Michael Doherty, who I think his only other directing credit is Trick or Treat, which is a film that's garnered garnered a lot of uh, a lot of love in the in the horror community, especially it's got a cult following. Um, so this episode we decided to uh, look at both of them in, in one big package to see what's up with this Michael Doherty fellow. Um, the weirdest and, thing is the weirdest thing are the projects that he actually, and I'm only bringing it up now because I don't really know if we'll have any occasion to talk about it going in, going forward, but uh, that he actually collaborated very closely with Brian Singer uh, and wrote the screenplays for both the X-Men films that he directed and Superman Returns. Yeah, X2 and Superman Returns, yeah. Well, maybe, um, yeah, maybe it, was, it was just X2. Um, well, uh, I mean, he's going forward with X-Men Apocalypse, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that is. I mean, maybe it's great, but who knows. Um, so I think he did... I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. There's something in 2010 called Making Friends. I'm not sure if it's a short film or anything like that, but... Uh, we're going to say Trick or Treat is only a directing credit, just for simplification. <laughs> and it's it's a horror, kind of quasi-horror comedy, um, so it's in the same vein. And I think, Mike, you just watched it, like, last night, is that what you oh, said? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I yeah, you, you watched Crumpus last, yesterday, and then and Trick then or Treat yesterday night. night. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, then, so I no, I, little... I admire your commitment, I do. So I got a lot I of Michael Doherty at a very short period of time. Hmm. Um... And so it's weird it's weird to talk about Crumpus first but I think we should. Yeah. No, that's that's fine. That's the that's the relevant movie. Um so Crumpus is about Well, we already we already sort of said it. It's about the it's about the German folklore, well, but Well, yeah, I was going to give it more of the human dimension where Okay, fair, fair, fair. It, it's basically about a boy who is this just really innocent child who wants to believe in Christmas but whose family is too preoccupied or in most cases obnoxious to uh, reciprocate that holiday spirit so the boy loses his faith in Christmas rips up his letter to Santa Claus and uh, this uh, unleashes the unholy demon of Krampus to uh, come for the family and teach the boy um, never to forget the holiday spirit yeah um, and while while Crumpus makes a an abrupt and immediate almost immediate appearance, he, he then uh, goes missing for about sixty seventy minutes of runtime. Um, yeah, it's so, like it's like the jaw it's like the Jaws effect. If they showed the shark in the beginning and then you just didn't see him again until the finale. Yeah, it, it was really strange. I mean, I mean. Not necessarily you need to see him. There was just a brief period of time where you didn't see like anything, like yeah, not even his no little like Crumpus minions. There was just nothing happening. Um, so, so that was uh, that was the main thing I wanted to talk about. Is just for a lot of this film, like nothing happens, um, yep. and I'll I'll go into like why I think that is a, a bit later. But uh, um, it, it it slowed down the pace of this movie so much because there was just nothing in between. I think I think I, I will say one thing. Um, this is maybe, you know, because a, a lot of times we get a a film where the marketing is just so such a poor representation of what's actually in the movie and how it how the film comes off tonally. Um, in this case, I think the marketing was absolutely dead on because this this movie for the, the just 
the vast majority of its like you know first and half acts uh really just wants to be the you know frank capra warm-hearted christmas movie of the 21st century and then it just completely devolves into a slasher demonic uh, child-eating film which is a very interesting journey that doesn't really like connect (laughs) man it's it's kind of cool because it sounds like we just have really different takes on it i was just kind of like I, I I got what he was going for, and I kind of liked the I, I liked the uh, the play on this like this dysfunctional family Christmas movie that was happening. I just thought it kind of overstayed its welcome, and I was very and I was anticipating fondly the arrival of the these uh, these violent hijinks is one way to put it, I suppose. Um, and, and and when they did came, I, I when they did come, I had a a, a good time and. I thought the the creature design was was pretty good, and the, the creature design was very good. That that's something I will agree with you on that. Uh, um, yeah, no, the, this little like jack in a box like snake thing. That oh has, my like, god, this, no, that was something. It was terrifying. That was almost out of the thing. Like it wasn't that cre- it wasn't as creative as something in the thing. no no or as quite, techni- but or as technically astute. But like holy. Like that—that that was a memorable design. I, I love—I love Adam Scott's reaction to it too. He just—he's just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, that was—that was good. And even the more cliche ones that use like I've, demonic gingerbread cookies. I've oh seen no, before, I, but I, I mean, hated like... those. I hated those things. Oh, all right, all right. No, I, if you—if you hate them, I completely understand it. But I, I, here, I, here's I... why I hate them because they go—they go for—they're definitely going for the Evil Dead effect. And not in the way that Evil Dead goes about it. Evil Dead, like, like they want you to scream and laugh at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And Evil Evil Dead, like, does this by really mixing you up. Like, you just do not know what, like, like there's a <laughs> there's a real sense of like randomness and like real like manic, you know, creativity going on there. <laughs> and with this one, it's just like a stupid. Like, like, the, like, they're a joke. There is no way I can even remotely take them any bit seriously. It, like, I don't know. I, I feel like genre and horror, like, it's, it's one of my favorite genre pairings. And when they're done with care, it, it's like such a beautiful, like, it can make me ride, like, two very distinct emotions simultaneously. And I love that feeling. And that's what I get when I'm watching Evil Dead. And, and like this one, I, I just do not feel like it it really had a grasp on either one of those. It would just insert a random, like, like cartoony sound effect. And that was supposed to be the joke or it would just make the, you know, it would just make the gingerbread men like, you know, like not, not really frightening at all. Just like kind of cartoony and dumb. And I guess the joke was that these are the things that are killing people. I don't, I don't know. Well, they kind of, they kind of look too. And this is, this was, this is my, one of my criticisms, my, Probably my one criticism of the uh, uh, of the gingerbread men, from my perspective, I was able to enjoy them and I understand what you're saying. But the one thing that stood out to me negatively was that they just seemed like like vulgar assholes. Like yeah, you know, but, if I was yeah, in real life, they'd be like the little kids, like flipping people off. Like, nah, and it's like that. Nah. It's, it's not an appealing uh, side that, of okay, that. Yeah, you know? I think I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is that that's the sensibility that they're born out of. I'll take the deer head like with no pupils like turning around uh like on like on its wall mount cackling as all the demons in the room like like something from evil Dead. yeah no that was i'll take that i'll take that sorry you know what i'm saying it's really hard to describe the monsters from that film i i will take that any day 
because like that is legitimately like that that is from a mind that is like I that can I would believe that's not from the same world as me. <laughs> no, they, they had a little something that reminded me of Evil Dead. It was kind of it was not necessarily that it was it was a direct influence, but that that snake thing that we that we went at was like he was getting like stuck in a vent. That the oh yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was really good. And then the other, then the the one of the the aunt of the of the main the main boy tries to like come up with an axe, but it wastes a lot of time like speechifying and then misses it. Um, yeah. But it, it reminded me. Of, I think it's Evil Dead Two. It must be Evil Dead Two because Evil Dead One wasn't this funny. Um, when there's a there's a one of the demon people like stuck under the house and is like trying to get out, but it's, it couldn't. And he's like, I swear you saw, I swear you saw, I swear you saw. <laughs> And then, and then, so yeah, and, and then, yeah, and then uh, Bruce Campbell like is like, hey, puts a gun up his face, right in his mouth. This. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it, that, that was good, and it sort of reminded me of it. But yeah, it, it never the way, really catches that by the way, same, many more that same uh, sensibilities. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you there. Oh, it just it never really catches the same feel, the same sensibilities that Evil Dead does. The it's fight, true. It seems like it's going for the same thing a lot. It, it's true. Although I will say there are more, and I th- many more, and I think more successful uh, references to Evil Dead and Trick or Treat. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get there. Um, I, I do want to get more into the meat of Krampus, so I want to I, I want to just give a, a big spoiler warning here. Um, as for the movie, it's, I'm I'm more positive on it than it sounds like Mike is. I'm but, I'm uh, very like the conflict, like the contrast and tone is not something that normally bothers me in a horror comedy. I can embrace the two genres simultaneously and love it. Uh, I feel like this movie really has no idea what it actually wants to be and is kind of giving you the, like the, it is. It, I, I thought from the trailer that the joke would be undercutting the, you know, gee whiz. All I want for Christmas is my family. Uh, you know, you know, Frank Capra as Holly, you know, a holiday movie that we get, at the beginning, I thought the joke would be undercutting that with this, like, you know, just horrific, uh, you know, slasher conclusion. Yeah, and that's that's what um, I was really hoping for, and that's why I think, like, the for my um, overall take on the movie, without really digging into the meat of it, is just that uh, it took a really long time to get to the good stuff. Once it got to the good stuff, it was pretty good, but... It, it's it not just that it took a long time, it's like, they, they were really, like, the whole time, even in the midst of all this horror, they were trying to develop this family as some sort of redeemable people. <sighs> For some uh, reason, yeah, that which was, was which was an enormous waste of time. It was misguided for sure. Like, um, so let's let's just let's just get on into it. Okay, let's get on into it. Official um, right. spoiler warning and let's, and go. Okay, um, um, I they, I thought it was they, really weird when people were when to just to go off your comment about the family. It's like every time like a child would go would could go missing or get taken away, they were shockingly cavalier in the words of Diablo Cody. Um, just very the they they would yeah the adults they, they did would not just, give they would be shit. No, yeah they would not. be torn up about it for like half a second and then move on the, like the, like the parents who just lost two of their children did not care like 30 seconds later they they cried for about two shots and then they and and i guess like maybe it's that like old you know the, the old rule of thumb where like once the audience doesn't care anymore we don't care anymore but or, or sorry once the audience doesn't care anymore the characters don't care anymore just so we don't waste time but like the, yeah. why are you spending so much time on developing this as like an actual like like they really want i <laughs> they want this family to come together in the end even though it does not matter in the slightest my my whole my whole thesis with the middle part of this movie and with how the 
how the deaths and stuff were handled. And, and this to me paints a more tragic picture of the movie. Not not too dramatic though. I don't want to play the violin too much, but it just um, it, it, it's I can tell how held back Krampus was by its PG thirteen oh, rating. Oh, absolutely. Be, and you know, especially having bo- the both of us seen Trick or Treat. You know, and that was rated R. He got to do so much more with it. That's the thing. I was like, oh my god, this director does have a spine when I saw Trick or Treat. Like, not to get ahead on myself on that movie, but, like, Uh that's that's the thing. It's a family movie with no real virtue and a horror movie without any real bite. Like, there's no... I, I couldn't really latch on it. No, and, and with it, uh, with an R rating, he could have gotten at least one of those. It just seems like exactly. And and then I think about the the box office. Like R rated movies are nothing, especially this year. Good God, this year is like, if you're an R rated movie, look the fuck out. Um, which which and, sucks because you know what? It used to be. I remember there were conversations in like the the early '90s when the NC-17 rating really came to prominence about like the potential box office viability of that rating, uh, which ultimately failed. Obviously, you don't get NC-17 movies in mainstream like you know multiplex theaters anymore. Um, that failed, and I really hope. Like the thing is, ever since PG-13 was invented, and it was it was invented like after the you know other ratings in our mpaa system mm-hmm. right now. it's the newest one yeah it's the newest one because it was created um after the combination of gremlins and indiana jones temple of doom which <laughs> which, it, it, which apparently uh the mpaa felt was were both too graphic for the pg rating so they created the in-between and now that is the dictator of all summer or not just summer of, of all box office success and, I, and and of course like fury road is a complete anomaly that well, was just yeah an, but even an amazing it, movie even then that's not in the top 10 this year like of, of no it's office. box office by, uh, by no means it was it was pretty profitable I just I think of like Michael Doherty. It just it saddens me to think like he made this great like cl- thing that was close to him, and then he finally gets this big budget picture. But he can't be R-rated, or else it's not going to make enough money. So and it's like, coming out at a time that they're going to capitalize on it the most. But it's still it's if it's R-rated, it's gonna it's gonna go nowhere. So he has to like right. you know dumb down or take the bite out of his movies out of his movie and i think the movie was a lot worse for wear and it it kind of makes me hate the mpa all the all the more um which i've done ever since 2007 when i saw um, this movie is not yet rated this film is not yet rated this film is not yet rated thank you Mm -hmm. oh my god nothing will get you more pissed off at american movies than 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 that documentary yeah god it's we gotta we yeah. gotta we gotta talk about that sometime. Maybe when it's more slow. I have a feeling that we're gonna get into a lot of older movies. Like I honestly think that like after award season, when we're still kind of trying to pad the early part of the year, we can just do a whole ton of like retrospective. <laughs> like oh yeah, all the time. That's like what we're gonna do. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I'll stop using uh, Movie Pass. Yeah, that's when you'll, you'll end your subscription. But well, yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do see that uh, Michael Doherty has has more no, has he more does. potential. I, but yeah. no, he does. I think was... the PG-13 rating killed this movie. To be honest, I don't know if it killed it. Um, I I do think that there is well, like a vision. I, I'm not going to let the artist off the hook. I think there was. A... It's true. See, I I think it killed it because I actually have a fondness, a certain fondness for the ending, which it sounds like you absolutely do not. No, I don't. Um, because it un- which... like it. it, it betrays absolutely everything that went before it like like everything any kind of d- development character development that we spent if, if really? that's how they're gonna end it yeah if that's how they're gonna end it why did i spend so much time trying to you know care about this family getting back together hmm well i don't i don't understand what you're saying it sounds like because you know they 
they they still went through all those things. And they yeah, were... and they're still punished forever. They're still trapped in a. So the the, the ending is that Max. So the boy. Wait. Oh, well, let's let's talk about the grandma because the grandma the tells him. It's... Oh, it is Max. Okay, good. I was like, am I getting the kid's name wrong? <laughs> like, remember it as Max, but that may have just been from like where the wild things are. <laughs> no, so yeah, the gra- the grandma tells tells them a story about how her pa- her family was cur- mil- killed by the Krampus, but she was left alive as a reminder. So then it looks like they're gonna have the same thing happen with with Max. Although Max says, "No, fuck you. I want my family back." Basically, and confronts Krampus. Um, and gives him the the Christmas movie schmeck that you hear all the time. Like, I just want my family back. I just want Christmas to be like it that used only to be. that only Christmas movies and Harrison Ford movies share. Those are the only <laughs> things those two genres have in common. Well, and, and what I liked about it is back. just how it completely gave the middle finger to that typical Christmas movie schmeck about like uh, everything's okay now because I learned I learned the true meaning of Christmas. It said, okay, you learned the true meaning of Christmas, but I'm the Krampus and I'm sending you to hell because okay, you were the a thing is shit. though I, I have nothing wrong with the dark nature of that ending, but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is why did I then spend so much time like if I had if this was truly a more despicable family. That would have been a very hilarious and fitting ending. Um, it doesn't really mesh well with me because, like, you know, Max is obviously a good person. His parents are shown to be, like, while definitely, you know, alienated from one another and from, you know, the family and Christmas spirit, caring people, they, you know, they reunite in the end. There's a whole thing about the husband, you know, re- you know reigniting his, you know, passion for his wife. Um, the, you know, the, the visiting family who were just mo- grotesques in the beginning, you know, they kind of start learning more about each other and coming together. And we spend a lot of time doing this, like, you know, <laughs> going through these character steps in the movie and the ending. Um, I, I'm not saying I wanted it to be the warm, toasty Christmas ending, but I wanted it to be some sort of vindic- like, you know, justification for why I had spent so much time, you know, try you know navigating those kind of thematic terrains no they do they um, do a little it's kind of it, it's not quite but it's it's it sounds like you're describing what a lot of people didn't like about like funny games and that it's kind of mean to the audience a little um i, I don't know no i don't care about mean i care about like wasting my time like like literally just like funny games was making a commentary on the well yeah by being mean it was making a commentary by being mean but this isn't it's I, I, my objection isn't that it's mean my objection is that it it literally means that i there was no reason for me to spend so much time invested in these characters before and i, and I wasn't even invested it was unsuccessful by the way i just want to give a shout out and a, like a, a, a sympathy call out to Allison Tolman who plays Linda the sister of Tony Collette um oh film. yeah she is a phenomenal actress and I, uh, she was also pretty good this year in a pretty a, a smaller role in The Gift. Um, she's from Fargo. Oh yeah, yeah, she was in The Gift. Yeah, she's from Fargo season one. She's my favorite actress in that that season. And uh, it was nice to see her bring some life to a character who I'm pretty sure was written to be a completely despicable person. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you're. I I don't know. I think. Th- because I spent so much time with these characters, it made the ending, like, way more on me. Like, oh, well, fuck. 
You know, they, you know, oh, it, like it, these it, are people I care about that. Exactly. It didn't pull this typical horror movie thing where it's like, oh, these are all despicable people. So let's just see them get murdered. Ha ha ha. You know, it, it, it did that thing where it like made me care about these people and then left them in this really horrible fate, uh, especially for this one for the one kid who really, if he just went his grandma's route, would have been OK. Um, but yeah, decided he would have had like, no family. Like, what would he have done? Well, yeah, you know, he wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have been OK. He would have been alive. <laughs> so alive. Um, and and I will say about just how the ending is played plays out is actually pretty pretty well done because you're not really sure what happened. You think it's that the Krampus just went away, um, although you do sense. I mean, I sense that there was just something I, a little. I was off. like, I feel like I've seen this before. I definitely yeah. have seen this before. I don't. And then he put. When he pulls out the bell, I thought it was just going to be that winking reminder, like Krumpus right. is always but watching. I will say, um, I will say, my heart did start racing a bit when like everything stopped and the you know the the holiday music starts playing, but everything goes quiet and everyone just starts panically, you know, like they start staring yeah. at the at the ornament. Yeah, it's funny. Everyone's absorbed in their own little thing, and then he pulls out the bell, and then one by one, everyone starts to like kind of realize what's going on, and it is it. it it was pretty brilliantly done, so I have to give him props for that alone, um, if nothing else. It was effective. I will give you that. That was that was a. It was definitely something. I'm just like, what? What is happening? Like it, it had me, it had me. But trapping them in, I I, I don't know. It's just like Christmas limbo. Like what? Christmas lim- like what? Are they gonna just like live there forever? Are they gonna like honestly? Are they fine? Like well. Can- I mean, my it might be like a like a Groundhog's Day thing. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Just do they get food delivered to them in the orb? Are they gonna Are they gonna starve to death? Food like they're <laughs> they're they're dead. That's the thing. Like they're they're in fucking hell. Like they're in or, hell or yeah. this Christmas limbo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. No, no, and, uh, and I kind of I, I couldn't help but crack a smile, even albeit a vaguely sadistic one, when. Uh, when Max is del- given this whole this Christmas speech to the Krumpus, and then everyone just starts everyone every creature, including the Krumpus, just starts laughing, laughing at they, him. Yeah, and then he throws him in hell. Throw yeah, hell. that I I actually yeah that too. I was just like, you know, they're not gonna end the movie right now, but I kind of love it if they did. <laughs> you just like throw him in hell and then roll credits. No, fuck. <laughs> Like I just want my family back, and then he wipes the tear of it. It's like, <laughs> I know, no, really. I mean, they hand, they go, they go, they they put the ham up to eleven. It's it's crazy. So if they gave that, the thing is though, the rest of the movie, it's playing that straight faced. It's playing that whole sentimentality thing straight faced. It's true, yeah. It, it's a jarring shift. I'll give you that mm-hmm. too. So that's why it didn't entirely mesh for me, and the ending, I, like, the meanness isn't what bothered me, because I'm totally okay with meanness, particularly in horror films. I just, I feel like it wasted, like, I, I texted you after this, I'm like, I this movie is a waste of time. And it was like, I, I like, there was so much, like, you know, so much fat in the movie, no pun intended, because, you know, um... They have the same fat kid from Trick or Treating. <laughs> okay, I uh, honestly, I think that I think Michael Doherty hates fat people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like that—that's how he codes the family, the visiting family, right away. As they, being they're all overweight, yeah. And they're, they're all, all overweight, and, and they're all—they're all, they're all and therefore so. they're dicks. And then yeah, and, and then everyone in the in Max's family is is skinny, including the grandmother, including the grandmother, and um. Yeah, and then you know the other family is very conservative and gun gun totingly crazy and has a Hummer. Uh, yep, yeah, it has a Hummer that's packed 
to the teeth with, with guns. With guns everywhere. And then, oh god, I love this scene <laughs> where um, the, uh, oh god, I forget his name. Shit. The uncle, though, he, he pulls a rifle out of the back, you know, of the backseat of his truck. When they go out to to look for Adam Scott's daughter, Adam Scott goes in the back and pulls out a pistol. And he's like, oh, this is heavy. He's just like, yeah, that's Linda's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a little sexist. No, but... it, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like... <laughs> but no, it reminded yeah. me of this, like, horrible line that was uh, in uh, Vacation uh, the new one, the new Vacation yeah. which, which I did see and it was uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, and whoever played the Gris- the new Griswold, I can't remember his name uh, uh, they're, they're, write- they're writing uh, quads and then the he asks uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, do, do you have any helmets and Chris Hemsworth says yeah, uh, keep them in the back with the tampons and it's just like this this machismo sexist bullshit that yeah, uh, doesn't really land. Especially because have you ever seen head injuries after people don't wear helmets? Yeah, that's fucked up, man. Like <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> don't give people shit for not wearing helmets or for wearing helmets. Give people shit for not wearing helmets. Yeah, really. Uh, or like not wearing the seatbelt or something. <laughs> okay, I feel like we're being weird because I'm critiquing a movie for being too sentimental, and we are now preaching to people about wearing motorcycle helmets. Everyone wear your helmets. Everyone... <laughs> Everyone wear your helmets and make sure you understand that uh, the holidays are about family, and uh, just remember to make Christmas like it used to be. Yeah, forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, it, this is it's 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 half Charlie Brown, half castrated Evil Dead. <laughs> Yeah, and no, that's a good Charlie way to Brown. describe it. Yeah, I, I bring up Charlie Brown because I, it, Charlie Brown came up in both movies we watched. Oh like, yeah, very, very briefly. But I feel like Charlie Brown means something to Michael Doherty. Maybe, <laughs> like like Charlie Brown represents like like pure family wholesomeness huh. that he no. ke- like he clearly has a very interesting relationship with. <laughs> Uh, another little side thing I noticed about the just with the with the R. Sorry, actually, I think I just cut you off there. Go on. Oh no, no, it's fine. It, it's actually more of a conversation in line with uh, trick or treat. So. Oh okay, yeah. No, just another another side thing I just noticed about Krampus and and specifically its PG thirteen versus R rating uh, <laughs> was just that it part of the reasons why it didn't have any bite is because no one really like died on camera except for no. cr- creatures. Like instead of being killed, they were taken away. When, yep. you know, these things often had weapons they could easily kill people with, but instead they just opted to whisk them away to a worse place. Let's um, nail around his arm. That'll be <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, and you see, like, you see, like, a daughter get maybe... In fact, the, I was I was still, because of the... I was still convinced that the daughter might be alive because, like, they didn't... Oh, show, I was too. I was yeah, like, they, they, they didn't show her off. die, and then I just Not realized, like, oh, that was kind of a thing. They don't just show people die. They, they maybe die off screen, but mostly they just get taken underground or out of the house, and then you sort of have to infer it from there. Yeah, so the it, closest we get is we see one of the two children being eaten alive by the jack. Oh, the which awesome was... Jack in the box that screen. was a nice... Thing that was pretty horrifying. Because... That jarred me. I was like, "Oh my god, they're actually dying!" <laughs> like, yeah, this... like holy shit, he's eating them. <laughs> like, I honestly thought that like they were gonna like. I was like, I don't know where they're going, but I'm pretty sure they're not dying because I'm not seeing anything. I'm not. I, I feel like I'd be getting some something in the way of visual confirmation that this is like like it's it's a slasher film that's like trying to be discreet about it. 
it just has to be, and it's just it's kind of kind of tragic to me. And I don't know how much how much it was pressure from box office or pressure from studio to keep it to a PG thirteen rating. So I'm not going to let the necessarily let the artist off the hook here. Um, but whoever's decision it was to keep it at PG thirteen, it was a bad one. It really it was. Um, also. Why was the Krampus, like, murdering everybody around the house and then slowly moving in to the house? Like, like that, that, thing, that guy is huge, and he's got, like, like hordes of demonic minion helpers. They could have, like, taken that family apart in about Oh, no, months. yeah, it's one, of those, it's one of those very things where you... It happens a lot in superhero movies, especially, like, in the new Fantastic Four. Like, you see Doctor Doom, like, he goes in and, like, crushes heads, like, explodes heads telepathically, uh, or with, with, like, telekinesis. Oh, yeah, and then he doesn't... And then, you know, it's like, you think you'd be able to do that to any of the members of Fantastic Four, with maybe the exception of the thing, but no, I'm just gonna try to punch him. Um... Yeah, exactly. So it, they they give the villain. It's the concept that you give these villains these awesome powers uh, that are just unstoppable, and then suddenly they're stoppable, <laughs> or they just decide not to use them. It, it's strange because it seems like he could have ransacked the entire town, That's or kinda... at least the entire street with a bl- in the blink of an eye. But I'm not, sort of don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he should, but I'm saying that if you're gonna do like this kind of playful build up to it, like have some fun. I didn't really get much of a sense of fun. It's like, oh, a clomping hoof, loud banging noises coming from the roof, and, like, you know, little ginger... Like, these are not creative escalations of horror, I don't no, think. Yeah, the, only, the only fun he had was with the actual creatures itself, with the, the Krampus minions. They didn't have fun with Krampus, which was kind of disappointing. Yeah, not at all. Although, I think the design of Krampus was... Actually, the design of Krampus was really effective until I saw the face. Yeah, no, I think I think that was. It, I don't want to say it took me out of it. It just changed things a little. That, that Krampus, was... Krampus is kind of like Krampus. You know, he's he's depicted in the form that he's usually presented in folklore, but like his face is basically blackface Santa. <laughs> yeah, no, and they did. They they had they had this really effective like animation scene with with him. Uh, yeah, I, I I liked that. I was like, Ooh, I, no, I man, did too. Where is I did too. I I thought they were doing something really interesting there, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this is going to reflect how how he's presented later on. But I it, honestly, it didn't live up to that. Yeah, it, no, no, not really at all. I honestly am more afraid of the picture on Wikipedia. If you type if you search Krampus, I am more afraid of the the picture on Wikipedia. <laughs> Oh man, I, I I will look into that in like a yeah. He's like eating two. Ch- he's like eating two children. It's it's horrifying. Oh, good God. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's like Venus devouring his son. It's horrible. Ooh. Yeah. Or Saturn. Uh, Sorry, Saturn devouring his son. Oh um, no, I see what you're saying. Oh God, that is that is unsettling. It's fucking creepy, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyways, um, you would you were kind of transitioning into trick or treat before I uh, oh, put a that bit. aside. Oh, uh, And actually, well, just one more thing, and I, I this may have also stemmed from the rating, but I like I really don't want to have to be tempering. Like, oh well, Michael Doherty is a good artist because you know all this is just because of the stupid MPAA. Like, I, well, that's he, what that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know who's if it, it could have been his decision to keep it out of PG-13 rating because of you know the box office, but that was a bad decision and it was uh, didn't didn't further his film at all. So yeah, there's a scene toward the end where it's kind of a bit like they're trying to do a bit of Edgar Wright there where like you know they kind of come together and just have this like you know crazy action scene where they confront all of the demons and you know kind of you know you know fight them and it is some of the worst shot and edited footage 
I've seen in the class. I, I honestly could not see what was going on. <laughs> what the fuck it, is happening? It yeah. is unbelievably disorienting. And I, I now I'm just like, well, maybe that was just because they couldn't really show that much of it under the PG-13 rating, so they had to obscure it in editing. Mm-hmm. And this is also a problem I had at times with Trick or Treat, which actually didn't have the rating problem. So I'm, I'm actually just starting to think it was a poor, like, just... Maybe Michael Doherty's like n- not that good at directing that kind of dynamism in a film, like, in, or at least in this these kind of scenes. Um, Possible for I, sure. It, yeah, it, it I, like I felt like it was supposed to be like a dramatic, like a you know comedy action horror centerpiece of the movie, and it was just such a big letdown. Um, and then it like just like and then the Krampus just like iced five people in the span of thirty seconds. No, yeah, it's that definitely happens. It's like they survive like everything. This is what we're saying about like why didn't he do this before if he could yeah. have, you know? It, it didn't really end climatically. Like it didn't have a build up. It's just like, ah, oh, Crump's here and fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just want to clear, you know, cuz I, I you know, my, my my text to you after the movie was that was a waste of everything and I am mad that we have to review it. Yeah, and, no. And I thought he was just going to like no, the, the, no. So let me clarify both those points. And I may, I, I did the first one already. I think it's a waste because I think that this movie. We haven't even talked about the acting, um, but I think a few members of the grotesque family aside, uh, I think that all the acting is pretty stellar. And mm-hmm. with the script they're given, they did the as best as anyone could do to get me to care about these people. Um, I think that Michael Doherty, based on particularly on Trick or Treat, is a talented filmmaker, um, and I think that that potential was squandered uh, and belittled and undercut by um, tonal, like two tones that like they did he did not make the mesh and an ending that basically undercut all character development that happened in the movie. So that's why I think it's a waste. I don't think it was shit through and through. I think that there were good things in it, but I, it. it is a waste. It didn't ultimately mean anything. Um, and I'm mad that we had to review it. That was because this is Oscar season and this didn't really seem like, like I'm trying to see Carol right now and I can't, I understand that. It yeah, just seems no, weird it, it, that we're kind of in the middle of like this huge awards, but you're right. There's, I mean, there, there was, uh, other than Chirac, which I would have to, I would have had needed to travel to see. You wouldn't need to travel to see. I didn't know about it until this weekend, and honestly, the reviews have not been good for it. Um, but it's Spike Lee, so you know we could at least talk about his career. Um, uh, there really was nothing else this week. Yeah, no, and this, I, I'm I'm glad uh, that I, I thought I'm glad that your your comments were more measured than I originally read them as. I thought you were just like leveling shit at this movie because you didn't. No, you, I'm not. You thought there was nothing nothing good in it. I was like, whoa, 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 Mike, Mike, come no, on. No, I, I I don't I don't get mad when I don't think there's anything good in the movie. Well, I might, but like I I I take offense when I sense talent and I feel like it's squandered. So that's that's why I feel the way I do about Krampus. Yeah. Um, and then he, the, what in, the other thing that inspired this episode and was knowing that it was by the same director of Trick or Treat, it gave me an excuse as a, a stated an avid horror fan uh, to see this movie that everyone who also uh, identifies as an avid horror fan loves. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I hadn't, I'd seen it. At, around uh, everyone tells me everyone told me you need to see it you need to see it you need to see it never got a chance to it was on hbo go we're reviewing a movie by the same director boom that's all the mm-hmm. reason i need so 
Um, oh, sorry. And oh, 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 I'm sorry. Was that a pause for me to enter in there? No, no. I got I got distracted and confused. I actually <laughs> do because I saw a news story that. N- never mind. I'll, I'll uh, no. I'll, I'll get <laughs> rant. Uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yes, and it's it's. I heard it's an anthology film, um, which I've only seen a couple. Um, VHS, VHS two, and Wild Tales, namely. And, and this one is a uh, was unique in that it. I mean, it wove all the different anthology stories together, and that they were. They were definitely happening at the same time, and sometimes the characters interacted, but they were definitely all separate stories with yeah separate sets, separate beginnings, separate ends, separate characters, separate everything. So uh, I just thought, but it, it it was so nice to not have like thought I'd seen five different movies in in an anthology film. No, it was like very playfully interwoven. Like exactly, no, yeah, I had fun like, with nothing, it. Nothing, nothing that like. No, nothing in like a mind blowing way, and certainly not in like an Alejandro in Yuritu kind of way, where it's just like, oh my god, our lives are all connected. <laughs> but there's definitely a like, there's definitely a unity in terms of like, you know, every single one of the stories. It, it, so the way it felt to me, every single one of them, it it felt like. This is going to make it sound way too cutesy, but it makes it sound like stories that, like, like scary stories that kids tell each other in school. And the thing is, like, that makes it sound cutesy, but, like, kids, like, kids are kind of fucked up. <laughs> so, like, I mean, like, like real kids. Like, kids who talk the way the South Park kids talk. Like, it, it it's kind of got this, like, thing that you... I, I don't know. It's it's got like a kind of a playful, but like truly twisted sense of horror. Yeah, no, it, it plays that through and through throughout the whole thing, um, and and it also like plays your expectations a lot, which I really love, and it's a really effective means of horror. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I'm I'm stumbling here, so that's all right. Save me if you want, but... Uh, uh, that's, that's all right. Um, uh, okay, so uh, let's just start with this. I will never look at Dylan Baker the same way again, and now I'm even more unhappy that I didn't get to see him as the villain uh, of the lizard in the same Raimi Spider-Man movies. Oh, was he... Was, well, was okay, he so he was, Dr., he was Dr. Kirk Connors. In oh, two, yeah, yeah. had only one arm in both of those movies, and they were totally setting it up for him to be the lizard in the future, and he never got to be. And I'm like, oh, well, that's okay. It kind of like seemed like a weird guy to be a villain anyway. Um, and I take it back. Well, yeah, I, I definitely a big apology for that. I take it back. Um, <laughs> no, so, he, he is like this... So his character is this, this principal... Uh, and the the first the first thing you see of him is I'm pretty sure this is the first one with the with the the same the same fat kid from uh, Krampus, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So he spots this fat kid from that also appears in Krampus as a fat kid. Um, yep. And that's it. Like that's his only character. He doesn't even talk. In doesn't, either doesn't yeah, I don't talk in either one of these movies. He doesn't say no. a goddamn word. Um, yeah, he's he's taking. There's a sign outside this principal Dylan Baker's uh, house. And that says like, please take one piece of candy. And he's then this fat kid, like fat kids do apparently, is helping himself. Um, and then Dylan Baker stumbles up, 
upon him and uh turns out that this candy he's uh stuffing his face with has been poisoned um and then he takes him inside his house and there's uh, a pretty playful comedic bit where people trick or treat while he is like trying to i was laughing I so hard. Like, like cracking up the whole goddamn time. No, and he's like, he's got like blood on his shirt. They're like, nice costume, Mister Wilkins. <laughs> he like goes and tries to bury him in the backyard, and like <laughs> his crusty old neighbor sees him like as he's burying the body, trying through, to through like a little kid, fence hole. The yeah, kid wakes up. And then, and then there goes, uh, you know, the, and then there's another, like, there's here's the Charlie Brown reference. His son is, uh, you know, co- uh, you know, talking to him through the second story window about carving pumpkins and watching Charlie Brown. So I think that there's some sort of, like, weird subversive thing going on with Charlie Brown and Michael Doherty films where, like, it represents, like, like the family virtue that he's constantly undercutting with horror. Like, his horror is always, like, undercutting family values. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, no, it's but there, there's something about that for sure, and and there's something about too like both of these films. The the through line is like, you know, it's about it's all about holiday traditions and adhering to them and the consequences of not adhering to them. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. Sam, which is the the name of the little like this little boy with a, uh, a burlap sack over his head. Yeah, the little it looks kind of like a burlap sack version of like. Uh, Jack, yep. um, you know, from, uh, I'm so tired right now, sorry, um, sorry. Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. um, is he punishes people who uh, who don't go along with the traditions of Halloween, and Krumpus is an already made thing, that, so uh, Michael Doherty didn't have to create a new thing for Christmas that already exists, that punishes people who don't, you know, abide by the spirit of Christmas, so yeah. uh, both very the same thing, and I want to be clear, like, Sam isn't the only sort of villainous thing, like, through all these, uh, you he's know, only really different present. stories. He's, he's kind of an overseer, and he's only really present, at, at, like, like a figure in one of the stories. Uh, yeah, it's, it's iconography, if any, if nothing else. And so. and he emerges as the, I think, most Evil Dead-esque character. Like, his, like he... <laughs> He's the he's the character who you cut a hand off and like the hand starts trying to stab your foot. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a that was a pretty uh, pretty through and through Evil Dead <laughs> like yeah. nod. Oh yeah, very much so. By the way, uh, this is a bit uh, uh, it's not off topic. Uh, you know what? The kid from Krampus, the fat kid, was not the same kid. Really? It was not the same kid. Are you kidding which me? which I actually think is a little bit more fucked up. Because that's that Did he just Ford. find another like curly headed another one who looked exactly the same and didn't say a single goddamn word the whole movie. Wow, he's like, I just need another fat kid. Yeah. And and the kid in Krampus, he was never even in anything before. Like that's his only role. <laughs> Dude, I think your Michael already hates oh, fat people. He really does. Oh god, okay, you just sent me the Yeah, I just just for proof. Um yeah. Uh, the 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 kid in Trick or Treat is the same kid from Bad Santa. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, wow. I'm surprised. I'm yeah. so surprised it's not the same. Yeah. Kid. Yep. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So I'm trying to like I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to get through all these stories without doing Wild Tales. Which, yeah, without doing a Wild Tales review. Which ended Suffice up... it to say they're all they're all like 
strangely connected which is really cool and he like interweaves them really well my um, just my favorite one i'll go through is uh, uh is surprise party is what it's called but it's the one with Anna paquin yeah did you, you said ooh that's that's like a weird choice ooh or what? um it's definitely it actually might be my least favorite i'm not i'm not sure I, I don't think it's like i don't it's not like an obvious like worst choice for me i don't really think this film had a particularly weak story no no that's a that's a good thing about it it's in that respect it's like the best anthology film i have seen because yeah, like there everything is good and everything happens so kinetically and and that they're all connected gives the audience i mean connected to some extent gives the audience a nice little like uh satisfaction is the best way to put it for sure it just seemed like it was like i knew uh it, like it was the most familiar of all the stories like the the one where like the this i mean they're not succubi but like that whole kind of like you know siren luring men into their death and it was also the most moralistic because you essentially get the character who the character who is ultimately like you know the victim of the horror or one of them because there are many many victims uh is a murderer himself so you don't really you know it's it's kind of more you don't feel the gravity of it it's very you get to have this nice cathartic joy out of it with no guilt um, i like so... the fact that a lot of the times the consequences that people you know th- that were inflicted upon people in this film were disproportionate to what they had really done wrong yeah <laughs> yes no again i think though in this one it highlights the same thing i really liked about about krampus and uh, well the the krampus ending and that's the reveal like Michael Doherty, I think, based on these two things alone, is very good at doing a reveal. And, and in this one, when they reveal the, the the twist that these people are like, I mean, they look like werewolves. Yeah, I think that, I think that's what they are. Even though they yeah. they talk to them a lot. There's a lot of vampire iconography, but they turn into they turn into like werewolves, and it's this yeah. weird ritual werewolf sacrifice. Is so I had that same feeling like I did in Krampus at the, like watching it unfold and watching the characters change and one character in particular start to understand what's going on. Um, it, it was. It was really cool and fun to fun to watch. I mean, not just because like, oh, this guy's finally getting what he deserved, but because like, I felt uh, Michael Doherty pulling the strings behind my behind my shoulders, and it was it was cool yeah. feeling. So, and also, how how great was Anna Paquin's casting? <laughs> oh, <laughs> amazing! She was that was such she a was perfect. That's part role. of the reason why I like bought most of it. Like, I think in any any other well, a lesser actress anyway, I would have I would I would have been yeah. more uh, yeah, and that, I would have caught on quicker it. more quickly. That, that's what elevates it for me. And she's like clearly such a stronger performer, I think, than any of her like, you know, the the fellow people. Like, you know, the other the other werewolves, quote unquote, in this group that are, you know, have been doing this longer are not virgins, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, which is hilarious. Um no, it's, it's great. I mean, terms. yeah, we we didn't really give an official spoiler warning for this one. I'm sorry. Uh, please watch. You should watch this. I had a lot of joy in, in it. But uh, yeah, they there's this whole thing where they're trying to get Anna Paquin to lose her virginity, but to this this group who happens to be werewolves, uh, that which you don't find out, virginity actually means you have to eat somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that, that's it. You just people yeah she's never like eaten anybody before and she's instead of this whole time when you think she's trying to pick the right guy she's to to have sex with she's trying to lure the right person into into their ritual eating (laughs) the ritual (laughs) feast oh god yeah um i don't know what was your favorite one and my favorite one i actually think my favorite one was the was principal (laughs) oh well you know that they uh do a real good job of that yeah it's so. I found Dylan Baker, like, so, I, 
it like I said, it transformed my view of him as an actor, and I was I was terrified of him and dying of laughter at the same time. And the the punchline at the end of that story, like killed me it was so like i guess i guess in just terms of like balancing comedy and horror that was the most sustained one it was just the most like flawlessly executed the whole time and i i was like the the um you know the the way they reveal the son's you know true complicity uh, yeah his complicity where dylan baker takes him to the basement where you think that they're going to go carve a jack-o'-lantern and Dylan Baker is going to murder him. Uh, he takes a knife, Dylan Baker stabs and you don't see what he stabbed and he pulls it up and there's blood. So it's like, okay, there's no way around it. That's what he did. And then he just killed the son. Yeah. Yeah. And then you find out it's actually just another separate severed human head that the son was actually referring to when they wanted to talk about carving a jack-o'-lantern. Oh, I think, I think it's the, I think it's the, the fat kid. Is it the fat kid? Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure because well, it doesn't really. I don't know. I wasn't sure how he got it down there. It well, that wasn't the the thing. Is that that wasn't the body he was burying? That 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 was the, that oh. was the twist there. You think that he's burying the 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 fat kid's body, um, but it's not. <laughs> or he is, or he is burying the body and just severed the head. But uh, but, the, but the body fight. But he fights back in the in the grave. Oh yeah, so it must not have been the same body. Um, oh, he just murdered another person. Yeah, yeah, that's just another person. I mean, and you had already established because there were more bodies that he had murdered people before, so it's not it's not un- unbelievable. Um, no, but, not at all. I, I didn't. I didn't. That's a good point. I didn't. But yeah, that's why it, it was part of the misdirection that like, oh, okay, there's another. The head's only on screen for like a second, and it was like it looks like the fact here. It doesn't really make sense because he didn't bring the head down there, and it had to have been on him when he. I don't know. Didn't doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that was just the misdirection because you that that yeah. helps solidify the fact that oh, he, you think that he's going to kill his son because there's yeah. nothing else. The other body is already out of the picture, and it's like oh no, this is the body of the fat kid that's out there that and they're carving his head. And, and don't forget to help me with the eyes, <laughs> and I, which that makes it even funnier that the son was all like talking about watching Charlie Brown. And like, I know that's the whole thing. It, it sheds so much light on his character because you think that his son is just hilariously oblivious. Uh-oh. Yeah, and like making candy apples and Charlie Brown, and it turns out he's complicit, and that somehow makes it even fucking more deranged and funnier. And uh, God, no, like this this movie has a, a, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why this kind of like you know, I mean, this is certainly a pretty like nasty movie morally. Like it's it doesn't really aim for any kind of moral cohesion. No, um, I, I like what you said I, briefly which, that which, the the punishment in this movie does not has does not fit any of the crimes usually. No, that, that particularly applies with the um the school bus massacre segment. Uh, not 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 with the driver, but with the children who go looking for the wreckage of the bus. Yeah, they didn't do anything wrong. Like what the fuck? They did they didn't do anything wrong. They tried to scare a girl. It's like, ooh. They were being dicks. They were being, like, typical childhood dicks to a little girl um, who has, uh, they, they called her a savant. They said idiot savant, you know, the in a, insensitive way kids do. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, they all end up murdered <laughs> by, <laughs> the, as a result of the actions of this girl who got scared by them. No, and that that one is so dark, too, because the backstory in that is that this, there, there was this fam there was this, uh, neighborhood who all apparently had like retarded children and then they all got together and paid off a bus driver to run them all off a cliff because they couldn't deal with their retarded children 
Which uh, so sounds like a story that some idiot in my elementary school would have made up, except it's totally fucking true in this <laughs> in this movie, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, and and it, yeah, doesn't cram at all. And then there's there's a f- I, I call it the sequel to this segment where uh uh Brian Cox plays the older version of the bus driver, although you don't know it's him from the outside. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing. And then it, as it goes through the reveal, and at first too, because I didn't know it was him, I was, I was watching this part and I was enjoying it because it's Sam just tormenting this person. And I was like, wait, this person, this old guy who's just, this, a, I was like, who's this old guy? Yeah. He's a little crotchety, but why are you so just like torturing crotchety. this person? And then it's okay. Mike, Michael's already has no patience for people who do not respect the spirit of the holidays. Yeah, no, that's just what I was getting. And then, then, yeah, then it's revealed that like, Oh, he's, <laughs> Yep, he's the bus driver who got away after driving a truck, a bus full of mentally challenged kids off a yep. cliff. Yep. And uh, that comes back to strangle him in the neck. <laughs> that wasn't a euphemism. That's just what happens. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what happens. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, there's there's so much good stuff here, and I. I, I, I did- my point earlier was sorry. My point earlier was that I'm like still kind of trying to reconcile like why something this nasty rang like meshed well with me while something like Wild Tales didn't. Hmm. Okay. Because my objection to Wild Tales was that it was like I, I don't know. I, I felt like they were kind of trying to. Maybe it's because the punishments did like kind of fit the yeah crimes of these people like they kind of did it to themselves and it was just like it was almost being subversely moralistic about it whereas like i kind of like that trick-or-treat just abandons that whole pretense altogether it's like you don't like halloween well fuck you fuck you (laughs) i'm gonna kill you what like i don't don't know it it was it was playfully macabre yeah And, and that that sort of balance was never achieved in krampus um no that we're we're going at and as I said, to what extent the the R rating has to do with it, A, and to what extent the the filmmakers had to do well with the rating, the PG thirteen, the lack of an R rating, it is up for debate. But it certainly plays into it, and um, it's it makes it a lesser film regardless of who's responsible. Exactly. Um, I, like I'm not going to give it brownie points because of production challenges. Yeah, exactly. Like those are things you all have to. Everyone has to go through. So, you know, that's just how it is. Like. And and it's sad that, you know, this, like, it's sad for me that this passion project that he made let him do something better, but that was also not really, he didn't have full control over, perhaps, or that he made the, a poor decision based on, like, financial concerns. It, it, it bothers me, but again, not going to let him off the hook, and... If you're going to choose between one of these films, definitely watch Trick or Treat. If you have access to HBO Go, that's where it's streaming right now. Um, I might just get this film, to be honest, after it goes off HBO Go. I might too, and I'm actually willing to... um, It doesn't matter who nominated it, but I'm definitely considering this a... uh, Retroactively, I'm considering it a forgotten favorite. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll join you on that one. It's it's a joint forgotten favorite for Trick or Treat. And we didn't know it was a favorite. (laughs) No, I really loved it. I kind of wish I would have known about it, like... Halloween. I know. I'm surprised that this, <laughs> this would have yeah. been fun. This would have been really fun to watch. I'm definitely going to watch it next Halloween. Mm-hmm. No, and, I, and I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised I haven't managed to see this before because I, I you know, I, 
I said I go out of my way to find good horror movies, and I just this one from 2007 that has it's beloved, just and I could for good reason just sort of slip through the cracks. It, it flew under my radar, and I'm like, it makes me excited though. Maybe there's more that I haven't yeah. seen. Yeah. Also, what um, I guess if there is a weak part of the movie, it would be the opening, like the opening sequence. I don't really. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Really, I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was so familiar, it was boring. Yeah. It didn't really do anything different. Oh yeah, it was like, oh, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of a bitch, but go inside and I'll I'll be out here Once by again, myself. Someone who just she actually seemed like a fairly nice person who just didn't give a shit about Halloween. No, that's true. She she didn't she didn't care at all. And, and, and fuck you if you don't care about Halloween on Halloween or Christmas. That, that, Christmas. that just set the tone. It was a tone setter, but still it was it was very familiar because you know, it's like, "Oh, I wonder if she's going to get murdered because she's outside by herself while her just, oblivious I, boyfriend is inside." Yeah, I only brought it up because I'm just like, oh god, this movie's gonna be a chore. Like, I, like that wasn't. Oh, that it didn't get you started with the right mood. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And it, it quickly picked up, but. No, it definitely uh, does, and yeah, it's so it is. I liked how you described it as playfully macabre. That's like yeah. the best way to describe it. And playful is an is a good emphasis. You always feel like you're having had, fun watching I had this movie. Fun. I had maybe too much fun. Like to like I I probably had more fun than it's healthy to admit because of the dark subject matter but whatever it's yeah it it was quite it it was horribly delightful oh you know what dude i'm I'm such a fucking moron jesus christ i (laughs) jesus i was like man mike i just i really don't know what we're gonna do next week fucking star wars hi are are you (laughs) yeah hi i'm star wars the force awakens of the biggest fucking release ever that's what we're gonna do uh, 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 is that I was like, man, are we gonna have to review the in the heart of the sea? <laughs> no, we will never review in the heart of the sea. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, and so we're gonna review Star Wars next week. Uh, not not in the heart of the sea. I'm 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 smart. I promise. I'm most days. Um, and I can't believe it's that quick. Oh my god, it's uh, it's coming up that quickly. It's like it's actually gonna happen. I know. It's amazing. I. I, I don't want to look up any reviews beforehand. No, I'm not. And I haven't been watching trailers. I hear there's like a very spoilery trailer that yeah, just popped heard... up and I'm like, no, 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 yeah, no. I heard that too, which is weird because I swear J.J. Abrams said that the last one, like he, he, there was one before that he very definitively said was the last trailer he wanted released. Like no more new footage from the Star Wars movie. And then the Japanese trailer got leaked and then now we get a new trailer. I don't know. It's yeah. weird. I don't know, but uh, it was a pretty great show this week. It's going to be a great show next week with Star Wars. And as always, thank you for listening.